I guess that the life-changing experiences that I've had were close to death or near-death experiences. And so it gets you to really, really like take a deep breath and slow down when you're in, in situations like that in nature and understand what's valuable, what's true, you know, who's been there for you, those kind of things. Hi everyone and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness. We're always determined to bring you back to your superpower self. And we're going to do something a little bit different here. We talk a lot about health. We talk a lot about wellness and different issues that we may face within our families. But we're going to pull the lens out and really think in a bigger, broader perspective. We're going to think about the world and our history and what that might mean for us. Joining me today is Eli Coberly, a world traveler and seeker of truth through adventure. At 17, he left a small Pacific Northwest town to fulfill his dream of becoming an army paratrooper. At 20, he was honorably discharged and began his search for a new dream. His writing has taken him worldwide to explore a few of the bigger questions of our human existence, and his prophetic worldview combines military service, counterculture, anthropology, and archaeology, looking at the world's religious symbols. He's a yoga therapist, and when he's not writing or practicing yoga, he's examining Tibetan Buddhist tradition and sitting in ceremony with Mayan priests and going deep into the caves of Belize. Welcome to the show, Eli. What a fascinating <laughs> background for sure. So tell us a little bit about this journey. How do you go from military to sitting with, you know, folks in caves and Mayan priests? Like what's happening here? Well, I started to notice something about the world. I, I spent some time in Saudi Arabia and I I saw the colonialism that the U.S. kind of encroached on other countries and the business that happened. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I wonder what other cultures think about this. And mm -hmm. so after, you know, post-military service, I, I really started traveling a lot and visiting different cultures. And I thought, wow, everyone else isn't so bad. And actually, there's a lot of value in other cultures. And so I just, and mostly I, I noticed this illusion that I'd see over and over again about uh, what people thought about themselves and they thought about the world. And so the Maya, and I, I got fascinated with the Mayan people and Maya means illusion in Sanskrit. So ah, that's kind of I didn't know that. So mm -hmm. let's backtrack because that was a whole lot that you laid out right there. So, and I had a similar experience, which is why I'm fascinated by it. But what, uh -huh. what about being in Saudi Arabia? I'm assuming you were there for the military. Is that correct? Yeah, I was deployed in 97. Yeah. Okay, so what about being there and colonialism did you observe? Well, there's a lot of oil over there and yeah. there's a lot of oil tankers. And there's also a lot of jets that at that time that were being produced through McDonnell Douglas. And it was right after the Kobar Towers blew up. And so my unit was sent over there to guard uh, the people doing paperwork for our, our foreign interests, you know, because it takes money to, to put all this thing together. To, right. To have a civilization. And then, so what of the colonial aspect, like what, what was your observation there? Do we just have 
the wrong perception or have we actually as a country or is it the West? This is it not even the United States? Have we kind of with our foreign interest have created a dialogue and a narrative that may not be the whole story? Yeah, I think that's all accurate. I mean, I was on the edge of unconventional warfare and I, and I trained with the Green Berets at times while I wasn't a Green Beret. My best friend's father was a trainer of most of the people that went over to Afghanistan and Saudi Arabia. So unconventional warfare means we're training people to do these initiating these things that we want them to do for our business over there. So that's just what I noticed and what I was a part of. Got it. Okay. So let's fast forward to now being with the Mayans and mm-hmm. give us a sense, because you've written a book to war in the hearts of men. Give us a sense of what your experience with the Mayans, you said Mayan Maya means illusion. Give us a sense of what you learned by sitting with some of these different leaders from around the world. Well, there's a lot of ceremony in it. Everything kind of takes time. And, you know, the Maya priests, they're actually timekeepers. So they keep track of time in a different way. It's more cyclical as opposed to linear, like the Western thinking. Mm-hmm. And so what they're doing is they're calculating vast amounts of time and condensing them with symbols. So, for example, a baktun equals 144,000 days. And they can trace that millions of years in advance and also in reverse. And so they track the cycles and the time through astrology and um, numerology. And it's more about the grand picture of the cosmos as opposed to, you know, what are we having for dinner tomorrow? And so they're doing these ceremonies continuously throughout generations and generations. It's passed down and it's quite an amazing thing to witness. That's fascinating. Like I remember studying a little bit about Mayan culture in school, but how has Mayan culture and their beliefs influenced some of what we do today? Well, I wouldn't say necessarily that they their beliefs influence what we do today. I would say that their culture is a great like marker for what not to do. And, mm. and it's and it's happening again cyclically, as I said. So we see deforestation and we see we see subjugation of women and subjugation of people over time and, and rulership. And then, you know, the trees, they, the more we get cut down, the less we air we breathe. It's sort of happening in cyclically. So they're an example of they're kind of saying over and over again, don't do this. And this is your last chance. And it's in all the books, if you read them, or all the prophecies or the codexes that I've read and stuff like that. What is some of the mind prophecies about the future of the planet or the health of the planet? What What is some of what they say there? Well, I mean, they say this is our last chance. Mm. And um, we've had many chances before. And they track that with the cycles of the sun and the moon and the equinox and in uh, Vedic tradition in India, we have the sun represents the masculine and the moon, the feminine. So you have these two polar opposites that are sort of needing to come together. And at times they do throughout the grand cycles of time. But they say that this is the last opportunity for us to get it right with those grander cycles of the solstices and equinoxes. When was, is there a directive on what getting it right means? Like, what does it mean to get to get this right? Well, when I talk about colonialism and sort of like that and like, you know, subjugation of women or police brutality and those types of things where people are being treated less than equal, Mm. where people are being marginalized, it's a direct correlation to what our perception of the earth is and how we treat it. When they say mother earth, like the earth is your mother, if you treat, you wouldn't treat your mother like that. You wouldn't, you know, 
be horrible to her, or at least hopefully you, you wouldn't want to be. And so that's a good example on, on if you treat the earth like your mother, maybe we can get this thing right. Gotcha. So everything from probably farming practices to travel and industry and a lot of a lot of what we do, I think currently that's disruptive. Like the, I think the pandemic was such an interesting observation where literally the atmosphere cleared, it seemed like because everybody was grounded and at home, right? I think that was such mm-hmm. a testament to that time. How does this apply? What are some of the Mayan principles that might apply? to our health today, to our physical health or emotional health or mental health, kind of how do we bring this back into the spectrum of of overall health? I wouldn't say actually that there would be much that I learned from the Maya people. I mean, they're eating corn. and Right, right. (laughs) Very true. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't really, I can't speak to that part, but I would say that um, they have a lot of beautiful practices of staying in the moment. And I think if you stay in the moment while you're consuming things, it encourages you to be more sustainable. Were they big on not wasting and eating slowly? And, you know, what what kind of was their sort of self-care or belief in connecting with self? Yeah, well, a lot of it was animism, which is, you know, you take on the characteristics of different animals based on like a totem or something. Right. Where you would use these animals characteristics as an example on how to interact better in the world different tones of the day and energies and they were really good at that until this little thing happened this punctuated equilibrium really of of this from the aztecs kind of the people came along and they they changed their way of thinking to more of a war type of subjugation thing and so it was the earlier maya people that were close to the earth and doing self-care and practicing these good things but then there was a group of people that came in and said, this is how you have to live. And we're going to put little rulers in charge of individual towns or, or sites or cities. Mm, okay. So we didn't have that concept until the Aztecs necessarily. Yeah, but it was, it was pre-Aztecs, maybe Toltec. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot, a right. lot of different stuff going on. It's pretty complex. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what have you learned through some of these experiences and what's been maybe like a highlight or one of the most thrilling experiences for you? I would say, you know, like relationship with everything, like I was saying about the the micro moments of time and things like that. You know, when you go out in nature, everything slows down. Like I went to Guatemala, El Mirador in in the jungle. It's northern Guatemala in in the Paten region. And those are basically that's the lungs of, of Texas. That's where the, all the air that people in live in Texas breathe, and maybe some people in Atlanta. Hmm. So it's like these kind of places are being like taken advantage of, or or like there's people doing deforestation there. But what I did was I went I went on an 80 kilometer hike in a matter of uh, it's about 48 hours. Most people take a mule, right? Right, <laughs> and, right. And so I, you know, but I brought a, a a date along, a woman I was dating at the time. And uh, we almost didn't make it out alive. And I, you know, I carried her out of there for the last 10 kilometers or so. I guess that the life-changing experiences is when that I've had were close to death or near-death experiences. And so it gets you to really, really like take a deep breath and slow down when you're in, in situations like that in nature and understand what's valuable, what's true, you know, who's been there for you, those kind of things. 
Got it. Is there a particular culture or teaching that you like walked away with more so than the others that really resonated the most? Yeah, absolutely. Buddhism. Huh. I think Buddhism is awesome as far as, you know, well, well, there is a lot of, a lot of masculinity, you know, like there's right. only like one enlightened woman in the whole thing. And she was this exception. There's a lot of beautiful teachings of the heart, like the heart sutras and all these, all these different things around Tara, the Tara goddess. But what I really resonate with is the dream time. And I studied Tibetan dream yoga and I studied lucid dreaming and those kind of go hand in hand, but it's a way to change your mind and your vision through while you're dreaming. There's no sense of, I can't do this. Once you become lucid, you're able to completely switch into a anything's possible mode. You have to have a great imagination. Can you give um, us an example of that? Like, how would that work? What's an example of of that process? Well, I would say that one of the things is like, okay, well, a woman I met once, she said, I keep on having this reoccurring dream. And this dream is, I'm in an elevator and I can't get out. There's four sides and there's no door, there's no buttons. And so in dreams, you can't have a situation where you use a mechanical object because they fail, but physics are just completely different, right? And so she's pressing buttons and they're not working. And she's had this reoccurring dream over and over and over again. And so once I I went into her dream with her and, and she saw me and I said, well, why don't you just look up? And she looks up and snow comes through the ceiling of the elevator and she floats up to the top and out of the elevator and she never had the dream ever again. Hmm. So what's the meaning behind that necessarily? Well, anxiety is is a killer of, I'd say, of, of trying to get your dreams accomplished. Like it gets in the way. And I think you probably know that from yeah. what you study. Mm-hmm. You get the fight or flight and all of a sudden you're panicky and your heart rate elevates and there's nothing you can do but like think that it's not going to be okay. Right. And I think the key to to all this is relaxing the nervous system and realizing that you're not stuck in this elevator and there's things you have options. And the thing that's nice about the dream time is you can change it instantly as opposed to like two years of psychotherapy talking about the elevator or whatever. All right, superwomen, I know the drill, right? We all live the same lifestyle. We're running around, we're juggling. We don't have time for 20 different products, 20 different bottles, trying to find information and put it all together. We want solutions and we want answers. That's why I developed the East West Way. It's my product and lifestyle line full of formulas that I personally curated to really get us the answers we need. I couldn't find anything on the market that adequately merged Eastern and Western medicine together and formulas that work and gave us the answers that we were also desperate for. I'm right there with you guys, losing hair, having acne, hormones all over the place. I needed something that worked, but also worked efficiently. I didn't have time to take an herb over here and a supplement over there and a medication maybe somewhere else. The East-West Way is the answer for all of us. And I couldn't be prouder of the formulas that I've developed. If you aren't familiar with some of the products, I want to share some of them with you. I've been super excited about them and have taken a lot of time and energy to put them all together. Collaglow is one of the newer products. It's Collaglow C. It has collagen, 
amla and goji berry. So now we're merging together Ayurvedic and Eastern medicine concepts there for beautiful skin and hair, getting that glow and that circulation we need, and also a massive antioxidant burst and maybe repairing the gut a little bit along the way with the collagen. The Defender was born out of my anger around the pandemic. It's a combination of astragalus, vitamin C, and zinc. And I use that every single day, especially when I'm traveling or worried that I might be exposed to more germs. Boost is the hero, the hero product that started it all. The line started because I couldn't find a methylated formula that really answered all our needs around hormones, mood, memory, and so much more. Today, Boost continues to be the product that so many people say they can't live without. Belly fix, again, so much around gut health. I know my patients and even I, we were tired of having a bottle here, a bottle there, mixing things together, remembering to take four or five different things. Belly Fix is the gut kitchen sink, has collagen, spirulina, prebiotics, probiotics, and so much more. I love this formula. It has been a game changer for so many people. Hormone Helper, again, hits close to home. I'm someone who has PCOS, as many of you know. A combination of maca, inositol, sal palmetto, and choline, supporting the liver, lowering androgens. It's our answer for really balancing hormones. Sleep Savior, another favorite, has magnesium, melatonin, and magnolia bark, because oftentimes falling asleep or staying asleep or both. So we needed something to answer all of that. That combination is a triple punch, works beautifully. Lush Locks, I take every day. Lush Locks has Ayurvedic and Chinese herbs that are known for regrowth and regeneration of hair and improving blood flow to the scalp, along with micronutrients that research tells us we should be focused on. This month, I'm offering an exclusive discount for Superwoman Wellness listeners. Just go to theeastwestway.com and enter SWW30 to get 30% off at checkout. Don't forget, if you rate and review any of my episodes, you'll get a free bottle of Boost. Just email me. It's hello at drtaz.com and I'll make sure it gets to you. All right. I can't wait for you guys to try these products. Let me know which one's your favorite and take advantage of the code SWW30 at theeastwestway.com. Okay, so let's go back to dream time because I don't know that I'm I'm mastering that 100%. So is dream time something somebody can do on their own? Or uh-huh. is it, so can you walk us through how we would do that on our own? Like if we didn't have you, like how would we, because anxiety is prevalent, right? It's like yeah. the number one mental health illness. It is dominant in women. I would say 90, you know, somewhere between 80 and 90% of women talk about anxiety and how anxious they feel. Some of that again is societal, right? And women having a lot on them and having such a great burden on them. I don't know if you have comments on do women today have a greater burden than they did in the past. I don't know if you have thoughts on that when you look at these other cultures, but like, how would you go into dream time on your own? You have a recurring nightmare, a recurring dream, a living nightmare, a living dream. You know, how would you get into that state on your own where you can correct it? Yeah, I mean, I, I do have a little comment. It's like when people are constantly thriving or trying to get this sort of career down, right? And this hustle and, and especially women and when, you know, they have, they have babies and they, or they have a, you know, a household to run and the traditional woman isn't necessarily like it like they used to be so i imagine the difficulties of all of the career plus the family or 
will I ever find someone that I'll have a family with in addition to I have to get this six figures, you know, that's a lot to strive for. Is that realistic? I mean, in Mayan cultures and other cultures, you know, I would hate to say I'm all about women having their own careers, but is it <laughs> maybe not realistic for us to to do it all? And it's what's making us anxious and what's making us sick. I'd agree, but I wouldn't tell someone what their own destiny is. So I, I totally agree. Yeah, it's it's the anxiety of, of performing in a man's world. And I can't pretend to know what that must feel like. Gotcha. Interesting. And, okay. Can you so, get us back on track to the dream part? Yeah, let's get back on track to the dream part, but I will make a comment. And, sure. you know, I do think I would agree that anxiety is the anxiety of having to juggle. I call it this. That's why this show is called Superwoman Wellness, because I don't think I've met a woman who's not a superwoman, because almost every woman I meet is juggling in some degree, right? It's not yeah. just. The nurturing of the home and taking on that responsibility, but it's also the hustle. And I think what what the lesson is I'm getting older and getting more observant, I think even for myself, I think the lesson is we we can't do it all all the time. And I think there have to be there has to be seasons, seasons when we're very career focused, seasons when we're very family focused seasons when we're maybe not a hundred percent in one of them or the other one. And we have to be okay with that. I remember mm -hmm. my mom gave me such excellent advice. She was like, please go to med school now. Cause I wanted to delay and do some other stuff. She's like, please go now. When the pressure of family starts, it's going to be very difficult to go then. And then you're not going to do it. And she couldn't have been more correct or right. Right. So, you know, I think for any woman out there listening and just understanding that there's a part of our nature that older customs and cultures recognize we're never going to be able to let go of that essence in us that is nurturing that wants to caretake that wants to be a mother you know i think the majority of women even if you're not a physical mother you are mothering i can pretty much guarantee you someone and so i think that that stress is something that we have to take into account as we also all want to be independent and financially independent and kind of in charge of our destiny that way. So anyhow, that's a big segue. Let's get back to dream time. All that creates anxiety. That anxiety, maybe dream time is a tool that we can use to get out of it. Talk to us more about how that works. Sure. Well, lucid dreaming is by definition, if you don't mind me talking about this. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So lucid dreaming by definition is knowing that you are dreaming in the dream. That's it. And, you know, if you Google it or if you go to Amazon, there's a grip of books. I mean, they're just it's a laundry list of all these books with all these ideas on how to lucid dream. But really, it's nothing that special in itself. You're realizing that you're dreaming and that, you know, that happens every night. Everyone dreams. But the, the thing that's special is doing something about it as far as. Oh my God, I, I, I'm dreaming. Okay, now what? Most people start to fly when they realize that they're dreaming. Mm -hmm. That's one of the first things they do. And how do we stay in that to change the potential realities of our subconscious, I think would be the key. Gotcha. All right. So much interesting information. So your book, again, which we didn't talk too much, War in the Hearts of Men, what was your message in your book? Well, I mean, I wrote it originally because honestly, I was frustrated with relationships and like sexist norms and out of balance masculinity. And I wanted to 
kind of dive into the very root of the suffering and why that happens. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of just went into this. I'm going to study all the ancient cultures and all their religions and, and why they're doing it and the sort of subjugation of, of indigenous and why do we do that? And I, I was fascinated with the Maya people and I, and I realized that they had a record of all, and I, I studied the art and the, and the symbolism and I, they had record of all these people from time periods that were not of their own and not of um, geographically in different locations of the world. And I thought, how did they do that? And so yeah. to me, I, I uncovered it and I, and, and I found the art and I went to these pyramids. I went deep in the jungles and the caves and I realized, okay, well, this symbolism is happening all over the world all the time. And also these symbols are continually used again and again and again. And what do they mean? And so, and I read a lot of, a lot of young and I, I got into Joseph Campbell and I started realizing like, if there's a microcosm and there's a macrocosm in, in all of this and what is the individual doing? What, what is that person like? How are they working in the relationships? Um, what are these chakras about in the in the yoga or the Indian tradition? And how are they related to nature? How is it related to symbolism and mathematics and tone? And I, I kind of uncovered through this process, I uncovered my own, the root of my own suffering and understanding of timelines throughout my life. And I was able to decode and sort of explain why people hold on to things in their mind and how that sort of manifests in their relationships, in their body, and also um, how it worked for me. So what, give us a, maybe just one little snippet of, of what you were able to decode. How, give us an example. Well, people talk about sacred geometry, and that might be too heavy or something like that. But really, it's just mathematics are, are encoded in our body, and it's in our DNA, and, and, and numbers come up. And also the artwork that we see and that I've been talking about specifically the yantras of india it's the same numerical code as the kind of things in our body and the spinal segments the teeth mm-hmm. and you know certain numbers that the mormons use yeah. i mean there's a lot of stuff right but what i notice is simply in the rainbow there's seven colors and we talk about the chakras people like to talk about that in into yoga mm-hmm. and they have emotional responses that are associated with these colors and they mm-hmm. have sort of ways that people deal with things. And so I realized that time is, if it's cyclical and, and chakra is called a wheel, then and there's a timeline in your life when you were maybe shut down, told that you weren't worthy enough or you weren't able to do this or someone was picking on yours, you're too fat, you're too short, you're never going to be, you know, worthy of this, you know someone abuse you sexually, these kind of things. And what does, like, what does understanding that timeline do? Like, what's next? Once you identify that, what happens next? Well, it's sort of like, you know, those movies where it's like they go back in time yeah, or something like, oh, I got to figure out what went wrong, right? And right. Fix it and then it gets worse or something. <laughs> but you yeah. go to that location in your mind and maybe through meditation or dreams and yeah. then you can, you can change that perspective. Ah, okay. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah, totally. Yes. So it's a lot about, and you know, I had a guest on priority who talked a lot about 
timelines as well, that we're on a mm-hmm. soul journey. And if we understand where we are on that journey, then we can go back and re-educate ourselves, reparent ourselves, re-nurture ourselves to a place of healing. And it sounds like that's what you learned kind of through all of this, but using tools like symbols, math, all this other stuff that helped helped you to understand the body a little bit. So that to me is, is so fascinating, super fascinating you. that, you know, <laughs> well, if anyone wanted to connect with you or get the book, what's the best way for them to do so? It's on all the platforms like Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I have an Instagram, Eli Coberly, simply. Okay. And um, my website's elicoberly.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you for taking time out to share your book and your travels and your journeys with us. It's interesting. I feel like, you know, the bigger the world is, we realize we're all really connected and everyone's kind of trying to say the same thing. It's all about loving yourself, healing yourself, understanding the connection to nature, which is the best healing. And for me as a doctor, ultimately shows up in your body. So thanks again for taking time to join us, Eli, for everybody else watching and listening to this particular episode of Superwoman Wellness. Don't forget to rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you shoot me an email at hello at drtaz.com, I'll send you a free bottle of boost and just send me proof of your review. All right. I'll see you guys next time. 